Trust me, I have used this line about preparing kids for the real world. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> which is all good and well until I think about how often, how many attempts I had to get my driver's license or yeah, how, yeah. Like, like, there's, I can, there's all kinds mm-hmm. of stories I could tell about my real world experience. Totally. Of, of missing deadlines and getting grace and, like yeah. I said, failing something and getting, and getting, a, you know, multiple attempts in in order to succeed because in the end we we want to we want our students to get there right, right. and whatever whatever they're doing and so in a sense i sometimes feel like uh, yeah why do i want you to do a redo because i want you to succeed welcome to hallway conversations we're a trio of educators who have plenty of questions about teaching and learning and school culture and we believe in the value of collaboration and reflection as we seek to keep growing as teachers So this podcast is our place for thinking out loud together about issues in education and why they might matter to Christian educators. Welcome to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Hallway Conversations. My name is Matt Beamers. And I'm Dave Mulder. I'm Abby DeGroe. As always, we want to thank you for allowing the three of us to be here with you. And we want to thank you for joining us in the hallway. Each week, one of us brings a question and we try to think creatively around it in the context of teaching Christianly. We're good friends who love each other and we love engaging each other in conversations about our practice. And our deep hope is that you are enriched and encouraged in your own work and maybe even in your everyday walking around life. Well, we have a long list of topics we want to talk about and it's long. We want to know what hallway conversations you would like to hear. So if you have ideas or questions or feedback about this broadcast, or simply want to share what hallway conversations you're having, please email us at hallwayconvospod at gmail.com. That's hallwayconvospod at gmail.com. The last few weeks we've had questions emailed to us um, from listeners, and this week is no different. Today's question comes from our friend Anna. Hey, Matt, Dave, and Abby. My name is Anna Bootsma, and I'm a third grade teacher in Iowa, just finishing up my second year of teaching. I wanted to start off with saying how much I appreciate your podcast and the insight you share. It has been very valuable in helping me to continue to grow as an educator. I look forward to my Wednesday morning coffee with you guys every week. My question this week actually stems from a previous podcast you did about excellence. In my classroom, fixers are a common thing. When students are still learning a concept, I expect them to make mistakes. I also believe it's important to go back and fix their mistakes and learn from them. It is all part of the process. However, one problem I am seeing and have had conversations with some colleagues about is that students don't always do their best the first time and rush through things because they know they will have a second chance at it. It really hit me wrong one time this year when a student made a comment about me doing the work of going and finding the mistakes for him so that he could go back and fix it. I guess my question is, where is the balance? I want students to develop that growth mindset and learn from their mistakes, but I also think it's important that students learn to always do their best the first time. I really struggle with this because I have some students who struggle in school and need that second chance, but others who are taking advantage of it. And I want to say thanks for the question and thanks for having coffee coffee with us each yeah, Wednesday really. morning. And it, it strikes me as I listen to your question, um, maybe a little bit different is that you mentioned that you're finishing up your second year of teaching. And, and as I, as I reflect on that, it makes me realize that you've had a very intriguing first two years of teaching. If I think about how your first year ended and just the uniqueness and complexity of this entire school year that just finished. And so I just want to commend you and, and anybody else listening for pouring into 
um, students the last 15, 18 months especially. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Arguably one of the most difficult um, school years um, in educational history. So yeah. keep pressing on, Anna. Um, just want to enc encourage you. So Dave or Abby, the question is around, um, you know, redos and what does it mean to do your best the first time mm -hmm. and fixers and second chances and there, there's a lot there. And so, Abby, can I, can I start with you? Just some initial thoughts to, to Anna's question, maybe anything that stood out in her question or that comes to, you, to mind in answering it. Sure. Hi, Anna. Good to hear from you. Um, so one thing that stood out to me, and it kind of hits on how you started, Matt, too, is that I love that how much growth mindset and, you know, your beliefs are, are just embedded in this question, right? Mm -hmm. So the fact that you're giving students the opportunity to fix their mistakes, that, you know, you instill the concept that we expect to make mistakes as we're learning, I think those things in and of themselves are huge accomplishments. So first of all, you know, just to recognize that that alone is, is the right track to yeah, be going down with that's, students. That's not insignificant. It's not. No, not, Especially for a second-year teacher. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. It took me a while to get there yeah. as a no, teacher. A long it. while. I'm still not actually. sure Right? <laughs> no, like, no, yeah. yeah. Right. I didn't read Carol Dweck until well into my yeah. career. <laughs> yeah, to notice and wonder yes. about that mm -hmm. uh, for any teacher, let alone mm -hmm. you know, your second year. Uh, yeah, I commend you for that too, Anna. Yep. Yeah, and then um, the thing that, that comes to my mind, and maybe this is because um, I'm, like, in the thick of dissertation research mm -hmm. yeah. and coding and coming to conclusions, right? That's, like, what my brain mode is right now this summer. Um, but one of, the, one of the tenets of teacher inquiry and teacher research, um, which I'm embedded in right now, is that um, the only thing that I really have the power to change in my classroom, right, is my own behavior. Mm -hmm. And so so as I teach action research to students, as I engage in it myself, it's tempting for me to say, how can I solve this student's problem? Right. But I need to reframe that and look at what in my practice mm. Can I do mm. to address this mm. need that I see? Yeah. I can't get in that student's head yeah. and make decisions for him or her. Mm -hmm. I can control my practice and I can notice and wonder things yeah. about my practice and the way that students yeah. are reacting to it. And so mm. I guess that's kind of how I'm thinking about this issue. Yeah. So what in my classroom design, what in my own practice here is contributing yeah. to this problem and what in my own practice can I do to try to solve it? Yeah. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah, and, and in saying that, Abby, like I, I don't hear you saying, well, this is all on you. I it have. is not. No, no. But, no. But, but to have the courage to say, are there adjustments I can yeah. make Mm -hmm. That might make this more valuable yes. for and the it's, student. And it's not fault. No, it's not right. a fault. Right. Totally. No. Totally. totally. No. That's right. But, but I think it's frustrating to try yeah. to, yeah. you know, get outside of your locus of control. Right? Yeah. I can control my practice. And yeah. so I think that's where I need to start. Yeah. So one thing that I'll jump in here and say, when when the way Anna framed this question, talking about, like, what's the balance, right? Looking looking yeah. for balance, I think, right? And some students need that second chance, but some students are taking advantage of it. 
I, I think that's a really good way to, to grapple with this. And my immediate reaction was like, okay, are we, are we people of grace or are we people of truth? And it's like, mm -hmm. well, it's both. It's grace and right. truth, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yes, there is a time that we as teachers should be extending every opportunity for, to be graceful towards our students and recognizing that different kids are going to need different things mm -hmm. to succeed and to thrive. But there is also a standard that we say all students have to get here. Right, mm -hmm. like this proficiency, and to yeah. say every student's getting. Here. So then, it, that does put us, and that's why I'm thinking about mm -hmm. this in terms of what you were just saying, Abby. Um, it, it puts us into that mindset of so, what am I going to do then right. to ensure if this is the level, if every student needs to climb the tree, well, how am I going to get them climb the tree? Whatever yeah. you know, whatever that learning target is, we've yeah. got to get there. Well, Matt, you've talked before about learning targets and, and the yeah. importance of that. Do you see a connection here with that? Yeah, I guess I'm just in my mind as I'm as I'm thinking about my own practice with with redos is is for me the learning targets have been helpful because because in the end is the student hitting the target or not hitting the target right like it resonates what abby said about what are the things i can control in a classroom and, and part of it is there could be all kinds of reasons some known to you and actually some not known to you as a teacher why people might not be getting their best giving their best effort right away mm -hmm. I, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of a student in a different context who had some behavior issues and in the end one of the reasons that those behavior issues cropped up is they just really loved their teacher and that was one way to get some one-on-one -on -one time with their teacher mm, that's interesting right mm -hmm. so and I'm not saying that's the, the case sure. for Anna yeah. but I, I just you realize that there's more that there's things that there's more that goes into it mm -hmm. Than simply hey taking advantage and it could be as simple as that I'm like yep, it could yep. be any of those things I guess but in the end for me the learning target is how how do I get this how do we achieve this learning target how do we get to this standard and and my my and I've done trust me first of all like whether it's for Anna or any teacher it's every teacher has it's up to them to discern to give redos or not like that yeah. you like you do and you get professionally you might have moments where you're like no like actually this we're not and to and to, and in some ways to not feel guilt about that like right. we do have that professional discretion so to sit here and say well it, it should always be redos or never we should do redos i think the answer mm -hmm. it, depends, it as, depends as dave Mulder <laughs> likes to say it does, it does depend um but i also feel like if we are not giving redos because of a behavior, then in the end, are we assessing the behavior Ooh, rather yeah. than the learning, right. right? To say in the end, now your grade is going to be reflective, not of your learning, but of your behavior. Mm -hmm. And then is it is it much different than, okay, you're going to get 10% off for one day late, 50% if it's two days late, zero if it's three days late. We're actually not, we're not assessing the learning. And in the end, we, we want to assess our students' learning and get them to get right. them to right. become to become proficient. Because as I hear you saying that, then we're really assessing for compliance, right? Then like we're assessing I'm, for I'm setting the rules and you got to jump through my hoops. And yeah. if you're not jumping through my hoops, then, and then it's really totally. not. Totally. And I want students to comply. I've said that before here, right? Like I want students yeah. to comply, but that's yeah. not the learning target. Yeah, that's not the learning target. And we live in a reality where compliance is necessary to some degree. Oh, yes. Like we have grades that have to go in. We have mm -hmm. terms and we have term limits and we have semester, right? Yeah. I mean, 
there has to be some compliance yes. in order to get where we need to go. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's not saying that compliance shouldn't be Correct. part yes. of yes. school. Yes, that's not at all what I'm yes. suggesting here. Yeah. <laughs> and part of it for me as I was thinking about the question is um, whether, I guess, yeah, whether people are taking advantage of it or not, and I'm saying this as someone who does not work with eight- or nine-year-old students, yeah. in, in the end, whether they get it, meet the standard the first time, or there's different reasons, is is our responsibility is, is to help get them there. And, and that, sometimes yeah. I don't, sometimes that, that's why I'm hesitant sometimes to think about the language of, of redos versus what might it look like, hey, this is going to be multiple drafts. Sure. You know, like it's, yeah. we're going to have multiple attempts mm-hmm. at our learning. Like, like I know it's, and trust me, I have used this line about preparing kids for the real world. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which is all good and well until I think about how often, how many attempts I had to get my driver's license or yeah. how, yeah. Like, like, there's, I can, there's all kinds mm-hmm. of stories I could tell about my real world experience. Totally. Of, of missing deadlines and getting grace and like yeah. I said failing something and getting and getting a, you know multiple attempts in in order to succeed because in the end we we want to we want our students to get there right, right. and whatever whatever they're doing and so in a sense I sometimes feel like uh, yeah why do I want you to do a redo because I want you to succeed like right. I want you to succeed right, right? and and I found for myself, when I wouldn't give redos or I'd, I'd want to give, you know, back in the day when I, you know, I would give zeros, quite honestly, quite often it was actually about me and not the student. It yeah. was about my control, mm-hmm. about me kind of showing who's who's in charge here, mm-hmm. right? And it wasn't about about students. And so when you think, when I think about redos, I'm thinking about the question for me that comes up, like, what's best for students and what's best for students? learning right and if, if we're not focused on student learning then we're probably completely missing the yeah. point actually yeah right mm-hmm. uh, it's interesting that when you mentioned that idea like we get lots of redos in in real yeah. life outside yeah. of school um so an article that i'll link in the show notes from from uh, rick warmly um, and i've mentioned him yeah. before on the show if you're not familiar yeah. with rick warmly he's an educator a really good thinker i've been at a couple of sessions that he's presented for professional development and his article is called redos and retakes done right yeah. Um, and it just lists a whole bunch of strategies. He builds an argument yeah. for why we should offer mm-hmm. redos, and I've, I've become convinced of this. I think we should. I think yeah. in good conscience, like this is a professional concern. I think mm. we should offer redos. But that's just my perspective, and like, yeah. if you read the piece, you might disagree. Um, but that's one of the things that Rick talks about in this piece, talking about you know every high-stakes assessment in real, in real life outside of school Pretty much any any of it, right? Like for your driver's test, as you mentioned, yeah. to get a pilot's license, uh, to take the GRE to get into grad school or the MCAT or the LSAT yeah. to get into law school or, or medical school, uh, even like nursing boards. Like this is a high stakes situation, right? To be yeah. a nurse, like you can retake your boards if you don't pass them. For yeah. surgeons, they, yeah. and the idea being like we were, I mentioned proficiency before. Proficiency is the mm-hmm. mark we're aiming for. Yeah. Well, how do we get people to that proficient point? Because then they can and will perform in those high stakes, high stress Mm -hmm. situations, right? And I think that that's a a key piece of this. So I guess I'm thinking about this in terms of, yes, high expectations for students, but also high support. Yeah. Right. Right? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to have high expectations for their behavior. And so then uh, to ask students the question, right, like if I'm going to give redos in my class, it might not be just... A blank slate, you always get a redo on everything, but it might be, hey, you didn't hit the mark here. 
Yeah. Let's talk about where things went sideways yeah. for you. And what are you going to do differently? Like, I want you to, to redo this, but before you just get a blanket redo, like, have the students articulate, like, what are you going to work on to make yeah. it better? I appreciate that, the way Anna asked the question, right? Talking about fixers, I like that name of, mm -hmm. of like, fixing things. But I think that it can't be us doing more work than the students. Then. Right. Yeah. Like, I noticed I noticed yeah. that Anna had said, hey, like, I, like, I fix it. Here's where a comma goes. Here where the code, like, yeah. fix it. And then I give, you know, I give it back to the students. I would literally do the end. And then they would just go through and, and change what I yeah. told right. them. That's and, not learning. And I wonder if there's a way, like, if there's a, a way. And, I, again, I'm not a grade three teacher. Yeah. Right. So, Anna, please don't be upset <laughs> with me. Because this might be a totally ridiculous suggestion and not possible. And if it's not, it's not. But, but is there a way um, for students to how do we how do like that learning happens in the hey here's some feedback but maybe feedback doesn't necessarily look like pointing out all the mistakes but is there a way for them to learn to do the fi mm -hmm. to be the fixers right right one thing one thing i do with even college students is i often when we're doing some sort of retrieval practice right we're trying to remember what we read the day before or review um like if we do a brain dump and they just try to remember everything about a topic. And then I have them go back in their text or whatever they read or with a partner and compare and find holes, yeah. right? Yeah. So that kind of thing that doesn't require anything of you as a teacher mm -hmm. for feedback, I think yeah. can be really good practice. And that's where I say, you know, when I'm talking about what can I do from the design side as a teacher, Yes. I think that becomes important. How can I design this so that it's not more of my time, my yeah. valuable time, mm -hmm. Um, on marking things yeah. necessarily, but how can I build it into the rhythm of our day? How yeah, can I yeah. make students more yeah. responsible and give them agency in it? Yes. Help them track their own learning, right? Mm -hmm. um, Abby, can I ask a clarifying yeah, question ahead. on that? Because you, can you just like help me understand or how you discern between grading and mm -hmm. feedback and how do you discern what to grade and what to give feedback on, but maybe not grade? Right. I know that's, so, a, that's a huge, that's probably its own podcast, but as you're talking, right. that's what came, came to yeah. mind. So I think of assessment, right, as a, as a pyramid so or a triangle, yeah. right? So at the top, you have like assessment of learning. Yeah. So that's like your traditional things you think of, standardized tests, big unit tests, yeah. big projects. This is a point in time where we see what we know, mm -hmm. right? Um, on the bottom, and how it should be, right, um, is assessment as learning and assessment of learning. Or, sorry, assessment for learning. Um, and so those two should make up the bulk of what we do. So how can we help students think about what they're doing, um, give them a mark of where they are on the road towards yeah. the learning target? Yeah. Mm -hmm. How can we as teachers get a feel for where they are? So yeah. what kind of assessments can we give to help guide our own instruction? Yeah. Um, hmm. Versus making assessment of learning kind of the only type of assessment that we do. So in my yeah. classes, that looks like a lot of in-class practice yeah. that's not sure. graded. Yeah. That is assessing for me where they're at and assessing for them where am I towards this yeah. clearly articulated learning yeah. target yeah. and then more of that becomes their responsibility yeah. instead of just mine yeah. so for college students it will look different at third grade right but I give my students um, quizzes through technology so in our case it's yeah. canvas 
that I put a huge bank of questions in that kind of relate to all parts of our learning target and they can retake them several times um, during the module. Mm -hmm. And they don't always get the same questions, but they can go back and look at the holes in their own learning and Mm -hmm. see what they have to reread and beef up on to take the next one. And it requires no extra effort on my part besides writing the questions in the first place. What I love about that though is that it makes it, like it lowers the stakes, right? Because they get multiple attempts at taking Mm -hmm. it and because it becomes assessment as learning, as you mean it, right? Like, so by taking this assessment vehicle, it's revealing to students like, oh, this is stuff I don't know yet. I don't know this yet. I need to learn this yet. You know, if there's ways that teachers yeah. can kind of pivot towards that, then I think And why would I not want them to identify that whole, go back, reread, right and now. take it again? It's going to yeah. clarify in their yeah. mind the information. Right. Yeah. Makes yeah. it that much more uh, fully formed for them yes. by the end of it. That we say, yes, yes, I really have learned this. Friends, we know that your time is super valuable. We want to thank you for joining us today for another Hallway Conversation. And whether it's in this day, this week... This month, over the summer months, we do hope that the Lord gives you what you stand in need of. We want to thank you for the good, God-delighting work that you are doing in your school communities. And as you go into this week, we just want to say, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace and give you peace and give you peace. Amen. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Have a good week. This podcast was quite literally dreamed up during one of our actual Hallway Conversations. Our music is by Ethan Mulder. Hallway Conversations is an independent podcast created and produced by Matt Beamers, Abby DeGroat, and Dave Mulder. Thanks for listening.